0: welcome back everyone to point of sale where we break down great retailers the data that moves their supply chains and everything else i'm happy to be here with you guys today it's been uh quite a while two weeks of uh enjoying ourselves down in rogers arkansas talking with some of the brightest. In the industry, uh, got to, an actual chance to talk to some retailers and CPG companies as well. So you know, it's always fun as being able to talk to the the companies that are are able to implement a lot of the things that we talk about on this show. And it's it's good to see a lot of them are listening. And um, it's just an overall great event. So if you missed any of it we're starting to show clips and and, uh, imaging from it from the show. So head to tv.frameways.com to see a lot of those uh, different interviews and sessions as well. But of course, I wanted to go back in time, really about at this point, a year and a half or so and, and talk about a specific word that we hear often when we talk about retail and supply chains in general. And that's visibility, right? Like what does that mean? I mean we know what it means, right? to be able to see things, be able to fully grasp something and and really when it comes to supply chains in general, it's being able to you know see every aspect of it, be able to point out our our weaknesses and point out our strengths, and be able to evolve our supply chains and have an idea of how they're really structured. Uh, There's big players around. If we look back um, this last year, and I believe they're working on the 2022 version of it now, uh, Gardner Research put out their 2021 real-time visibility providers, um, Magic Quadrant, that ranked a number of the largest uh, players within the space when it comes to visibility. And, And note, when we talk about visibility in transportation, it's someone or a software or a company that's providing real time insights into orders right we all dealt with this over the last couple of years with covid and where are our shipments where are the things that we are buying so much of even though maybe a little bit less of now and and what when are they going to land on our doorstep and if they if they can't be bought when is that inventory going to be back in stock well in order to be a visible, visibility provider there's a number of core capabilities they look for one order capture clearly data compliance and cleansing, uh, basic tracking, messaging, alerts when something goes wrong, more of a predictive analysis, not just on the estimated ETA, but of problems that could arise as well, Um, your dashboards to analytically review a lot of that data that you captured through that visibility or that insight. And of course, a big one, especially when we look at and start breaking down these players is carrier integration. Are you connected to the carriers? Are you in their telematics? Is it possible for you to actually see what's happening and see where capacity is at a given time? I mean, at the end of the day, that capacity is what's going to get everything moving, right? So probably the number one thing you want to be visible. And um, another point that you want to really watch, and this is some of my favorite uh areas to really look at when we dive into different investments or MA action within the visibility space is the data that's being captured. And well we always say it data is gold oil, data is gold, blah blah blah. And, but it's true. It's and it's not just about being able to capture a lot of data under one point, right? So for instance, just because you have a million datasets for a lane from Los, Al- Los Angeles to Chicago, uh, someone could be better off having 10,000 data points in, in 10,000 different lanes. So it gives you uh, an idea of when you're looking at companies, how what data are they capturing? How are they capturing it? Because that's truly what's pushing this visibility and the analytics behind it. Uh, they capture that data by, again, a telematics, being able to integrate into the carrier's databases, whether it's an API or EDI integration. Smartphones, some of the bi- biggest and brightest are just a simple app that drivers have felt comfortable and trusted downloading. Uh, hardware, right? Trackers, companies like Tive, uh, who actually you know have that hardware on the trucks and aren't making a guess. They know exactly where uh, their shipment is, but they're also collecting the data of that transit. Uh, documentation. I mean, that's a huge one. Uh, The the simple BOL or POD that you see, that right there is a a piece of data that can be used to further visibility within a supply chain. And actually, fun fact, while doing research for this too, um, most of our tracking up until about 1844 was done by mail, which uh, if you think globally, takes quite a long time. Well, until 1844, we invented the telegram and then quickly after that, the fax machine, which is so ironic because if anything, that's what we're st- just starting to get this industry off of now, what, more than 150 years, if not 60 years later. So uh, it shows you when we talk about technology in the space, how far behind we are. Now, I want to talk about some of the big players before we dive into our guest today because our guest actually has to do with a lot of what I'm excited for in visibility space and, and actually uh, the, one of these players as well. So the first we're going to look at is Descartes, um, really macro point. I will say, I think the pro of this company, and, and most will say, is the carrier adoption. I can't think of one carrier that I've ever talked to who doesn't have MacroPoint. It's one of the long-standing uh, carrier uh, uh, tracking tools out there. Uh, where their cons are is they're uh, growing more of their tools for logistics providers. So while they do have the data behind the visibility and they have the Ability to see within different supply chains, not until recently, over the last year or so, when they started acquiring different pieces of technology, have they been able to dive into last mile or business to business information. So for truckload, though, in North America, that's definitely a huge one. Another one's Overhaul. Overhaul is a little bit more of a global cargo visibility company who really has a niche in more of a government background and and risk betting. Um, Much of their leadership comes from that space as well in the military. They have a really small set of markets, so they are a newbie but have a potential to grow into something pretty big. Now, our last two are pretty clear competitors. If you're a fan of FreightWaves, you've read the articles. We'll start with uh, the first out of Chicago, both out of Chicago, four kites. Pro out of that is uh, a strong North American presence, uh, the strong integration, uh, and they actually have the vis- visibility both up and downstream of most of their supply chains. Uh, Where they do lack, though, is a more global presence. They're just starting to build up their presence in Europe. And then when it comes to other continents across the globe, not much is happening um, and their carrier onboarding is a little bit different as well. So it's not as simple as asking a carrier to just simply download MacroPoint or something from Descartes. The last and the one I've touched on probably the most in my writing and a uh, big fan of leadership and what they're looking forward to in the future is, is Project 44. They have a huge global presence. Much of, much of that has been acquired and, and uh, arranged over the last year, year and a half. Uh, they've purchased uh, visibility into different pieces of the supply chain through Convey and Ocean Insights over the last few years. Um, and what where their cons are, and this is like a tough con, I, I really didn't push myself on this, but um, lev- they, they leverage partnerships more than really their in-house technology to provide a benefit of visibility. I think that's something that we'll start to see change, though, and that's really what I wanted to talk to you about today is that we set up this really awesome infrastructure for visibility within supply chains. And now, like, what do we do with it, right? Like, we have the data, we have the insight, we have the people behind it. We've convinced Silicon Valley, hey, transportation is the place for you to be. So now that we know where our shipments are and what their historical references have been like, what do we do next? And I think there's a lot of really fun stuff on the horizon when we look at supply chain twins, right? Being able to recreate your own supply chain and almost like a chess say, hey, if I move a supplier to Vietnam, how will that affect how everything manages? And being able to know in a click, that's really powerful stuff. Or risk management. I think that's a huge one. When we talk about insurance, for example, right? And being able to bring carrier insurance down, well... Now that we have this visibility data and this historical tracking of act and perform throughout the United States and hopefully more soon across the globe, why is their insurance so high? Why can't we start bringing down premiums and making it easier for carriers to exist and and grow their business here, again, not just in the US, but globally? And that brings in our guest today as well. Um, I uh, this company is called PackSafe. Uh, I have with us today the co-founder and CEO, Ilya Preston. Ilya, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Hey, Grace. Good to see you. Thanks. Hey. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, no, I'm excited, and I no, I'm pumped because visibility is is. I think we're in Visibility 2.0 now, right? Actually doing things with the data that we've captured. And I think PackSafe is a perfect example of what can happen next once we know where all these carriers are and what's happening with our shipments. So if you could introduce yourself to the audience and also what PackSafe is and, and the problems that you're solving, that would be great.
1: Yeah, happy to. Um, so I'm Ilya Preston. I'm co-founder and CEO of PackSafe. My background is in supply chain uh, strategy. I I worked for a. a, I came from the enterprise side of things, so I worked for a large um, manufacturing enterprise company, Cummins, where I helped build out some global supply chain strategies earlier in my career, and then spent some time as a consultant uh, helping uh, Fortune 1,000 companies optimize their supply chain operations. So I came kind of from that operator mindset to. Helping lots of companies as a consultant, and I saw a lot of the same issues as a consultant that I lived through uh, as an operator. That was really the, the catalyst uh, for us to start PackSafe back in 2019. Um, we were really born as a company to answer two questions, right? Are my products on time? And are they in full? Um, so we are a supply chain technology company that provides location and condition monitoring through the B2B supply chain for a number of different companies and enterprises that are shipping, uh, sensitive temperature, sensitive, time, sensitive, valuable, uh, items. Obviously, you know, to your point, visibility 1.0 has been here for some time. Um, there are lots of companies that, that put a dot on the map and kind of tell you where your shipment is and and what the relative condition of those products are the way that we kind of differentiate ourselves in this, um, pretty pretty busy space is, number one, we, we're we hardware agnostic. So we view the hardware, the IoT part of this as relatively commoditized. Um, and and we, we really see that differentiator in that, what you referred to as visibility 2.0, right? Being able to answer kind of the, the how and the why, the context around the data. Um, which brings me to point number two is we contextualize the supply chain data. Um, We can essentially not just answer where something is or or when something happened, but how and why those adverse events happened to begin with. And that brings me to point number three. By better understanding, looking backwards, what actually happened, that, that ground truth data, we can build more accurate prediction models. Um, that help us kind of predict and understand when adverse events are likely to happen moving forward and help companies avoid them altogether.
0: That's amazing. And I think that's that whole 2.0 step is, right? Like what, where, what's the context of it so that we can learn in the future, right? Like we learn from history and now it's time for our industry to learn from the data of our history. And uh, speaking of data... Where exactly do you pull uh, your existing data to, to make these um, guesses and these assumptions on the, on the overall transit? Uh, is it through integrations? Is it all hardware? Where, do you, where are you able to pull that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I'd say there are three primary data sources. So first and foremost is the IoT itself, the hardware that we have. I can actually pull one up here. <laughs> Um, so an actual hardware device, and we have a reusable and a one-time use device that we offer. Or, as I mentioned, we you know we 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 go hardware agnostic. So if if companies have hardware that they already are comfortable with and and want to continue to use, we can add value beyond that. Outside of IoT, uh, we look uh, we we bring in third party data like traffic, weather, you know, fleet and flight and, and marine data as well. And then uh, we also integrate and and bring in partner data from various ERP systems, TMS platforms, um, et cetera. So company-specific, shipment-specific, lane-specific data. And these three different buckets, the IoT device data, the third-party data, uh, and uh, the ERP, the the TMS data, help us build that cause-effect relationship between the three different buckets. We have various models that we build and, and deploy. Um, that help us understand those relationships between these different data sources, and really paint a very accurate and consistent picture of what is causing various events to happen.
0: Interesting. And what what exactly are these events? Like, what are different events that you're helping your customers solve for today, and, and help uh, lower the risk of of shipments, and I assume lower waste as well.
1: Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, these events can be bucketed into losses, right? Uh, actual product loss. It could be product damage, right? Product uh, that that is comes in and it's broken, it's damaged, or there's temperature, humidity issues for perishable products, for, for products like drugs or vaccines or food and beverage. Um, it could mean, you know, an excursion event or an adverse event can mean that the product came in a day later than it was supposed to, or, or five hours later than it was supposed to that creates a ton of downstream operational inefficiency for, for both the enterprise that's receiving the goods and then the downstream effects of of the operations that are happening with, to those goods and obviously to the customer base that's ultimately receiving those goods. So it could be anything from product not arriving on time, uh, product arriving in a suboptimal condition and, and can't be um, used as intended. Um, I'd say those... It all ties back to those two preliminary questions that we answer, right? Are my products on time? Are they in full? Anything that stands in the way of those two answers to those questions being yes, we would consider an adverse event.
0: Awesome. And I would still consider your company a startup, right? Uh, you guys are in this phase. You just raised one point five million with um, some of our favorites here at Freyways. We talked about project forty four earlier in the episode, and Jet McCandles is a part of that. Uh, Peter Rentschler, who is the CEO of uh, Metaphora, was a part of it as well. And, um, of course, Value Chain uh, Ventures and um, Venture 53. Uh, So you've got some really, really great partners ahead. Uh, Who are you currently serving? Uh, What markets or customers are you currently serving? And is there any other markets now that you're looking forward to enter with that new capital behind you?
1: Yeah, so I'd say today we primarily service um, f- four markets. Um, one is, is healthcare. Uh, number two is food and beverage. And those are, are very interrelated, right? They're both tied to perishability mm-hmm. and essentially goods that are sensitive to temperature, humidity and time throughout the lifespan of the shipment. Um, healthcare, food and beverage... We have a market uh, with service providers that sell into those two markets specifically. So that could be three PLs, that can be carriers, that can be TMS providers, or IRT platforms, or cold chain packagers that all sell into those two markets. Um, That's the third one is is the kind of the service provider into the perishable space. And then the last one, which which is actually quite a bit different, um, it's the oil and gas space. Um, Oil and gas is is a very Interesting industry. They've they've got a uh, a couple of uh, pain points, more so around I would say more traditional track and trace types of pain points. Um, but uh, there is a big need, and each uh, you know each each part that they can't accurately track or, or trace back to certain origin destination, um, you know, a, a certain adverse event, um, if you will, is is a very expensive proposition for them. So uh is it's in it's an arena where track and trace is, is truly critical uh to have in place.
0: Well yeah between the cyber attacks we recently saw and then of course the dwindling fuel supply over in the east coast right now uh, should would definitely uh possibly not be where it's at if we could see ahead of time in the supply chain a couple of of months mm-hmm. right so perfect area for your your expertise and um I'm interested in like retail right you named a few but we're where could this technology improve the retail and e-commerce space over time
1: as well? Yeah, that's a good question. So, I, I mean, we primarily service the B2B enterprise space, but that's not to say that we don't impact retail, right? We, um, At the end of the day, our, our tier two customers uh, are retailers in, in a lot of cases, and and we help them reduce product loss, we help them improve operational efficiency, and we help equip them with the data and intelligence that they need to help optimize their supply chain decision-making looking forward. Um, Oftentimes, a lot of the retailers that are in our network that are kind of our our tier two customers are um, are retailers uh, that purchase food and beverage, right? That, That bring in a lot of food each and every day, food like tomatoes and lettuce and things that are susceptible to temperature and humidity excursions. And if you think about it from a consumer lens, I can go to Kroger tomorrow. I can go to Walmart and pick up some lettuce, and and it could look perfectly fine. But then I can bring it home, and a day later, it's no longer edible, right? And and I, as the consumer, I'm not very happy about that. Um, And obviously, that then goes back on that particular retailer. I might not shop there anymore. Same thing happens with with the retailers, right? If if they accept certain goods and they think they're fine to the touch, uh, you're not going to know as a receiver of a, a truckload of lettuce. If that lettuce was frozen for three hours at some point in the shipment, you're not going to know that until a few days later when that lettuce is no longer crunchy or, or good or changes colors. So it's important to have that data so that you can proactively address any of those inefficiencies that are kind of going to come and result from having food spoilage downstream, right? So you can kind of save yourself the headache of having the the customer. Uh, issues and having customer complaints, you can su- save yourself the headaches of waiting an extra week or two to file those insurance claims and, and basically rec- recoup the money. You can save time by by placing a uh, you know a, a reshipment or, or a reorder right away and make sure that you have enough supply to satisfy your customer demand ahead of time. That's really where we see a big impact on the retail market is is really with those tier two customers that are selling a lot of Food & Bev. um, And they obviously want to make sure they're putting the, the most high quality products on the shelf for consumers to consume.
0: I love that. And, you know, for all of our game changers here in retail, whenever you come on the show, I like to play a quick game with you as well. Um, really just to see what your consumer habits are and how they are changing or maybe haven't changed since the last couple of years. And the first one is one of my favorites. Uh, it's, I always get mixed answers for this one, but for you are you still grocery shopping especially knowing that you have this tracking information you know what's ha- happening behind the scenes right are you still buying groceries in store or do you use an app for at home delivery
1: mm i get yelled about this a lot um by my girlfriend <laughs> but i i pretty much use an app for pretty much if if there's an app for something and i can outsource it i'll i'll typically outsource it um i, I actually it probably didn't happen until well into COVID. I, I used to buy, uh, get things through an app, everything except for, for actual like produce. Right. So if I was going to pick up oranges and bananas and, and lettuce, I want to go pick it out myself and I want to feel it. Yeah. And I want to choose between this avocado or that. Avocado. I want to give it a good squeeze. So that has definitely changed. I think over the last few, um, probably the last year or two. Uh, but I do have go to places that I'll only buy my produce from. So if it's anything that's fresh, that's pr- I'll typically stick with like Whole Foods. Um, but then for the majority of my grocery shopping, I'll still use an app. I'll probably go through Kroger, Walmart, or, or something of the sort.
0: Love that. Uh, here's another one um, Are you still seeing movies in the movie theater, or do you just watch them on demand or wait till they get on demand?
1: Yeah, I uh I'll, I'll go once or twice a year. I think that's my average. Yeah. I think much like with, you know, remote work, um obviously we all want it, uh or at least most people want it. I'm definitely somebody that wants it, but after being at home for, you know, a year or two, I I'm happy to come back into the office for for once a week. Um same thing with the movies, right? We we all want Netflix. We we can all stream anything we want anytime. The convenience is great. Sometimes you just got to get out of the house. Um, So I I do go not much, but I'll, I'll go once or twice a year.
0: (laughs) All right. Perfect. This last one has usually swung more towards females, but uh, bracketing is when you buy a size up or down Um, that way, when it gets delivered, you know that you do have the correct size. Hopefully do you bracket when you shop online or do you not?
1: So you're saying buy like two, two things of something. Yeah.
0: Yep. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So, Uh, No, I I don't. I'll typically buy a size down and convince myself that this will be motivation uh, to to get back into form. And that's why I think my team can testify. I probably have the same five outfits that I wear each and every week. And I've got a full closet of unused clothing that uh, hopefully one day (laughs) will will light a day.
0: (laughs) I love that. Well, thank you so much, Ilya, for being on the show today. Where can people learn more about PackSafe?
1: Yeah, check us out please um LinkedIn, uh Packsafe, PACSA- at packsafe1 on Twitter. Obviously www.packsafe.com. Um and uh yeah, Freightwaves, obviously.
0: <laughs> yes, of Thank course, right? Me. Of course. Yeah. And for all of our listeners, of course, this is a community that we run here. So if you're listening to this podcast uh, or wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you subscribe. But we do have a newsletter. So go to freightwaves.com. POS or FreightWaves.com slash subscribe to subscribe to all of our newsletters as well and of course I do have a serious radio show so check that out too every day on Road Dog Channel 146 you can catch it from 5 to 7 or replayed from 11 to 1 a.m. I want to hear your thoughts so call in if not I will talk to you next week on Point of Sale.